Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DDP Today, a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and tonight I am joined by the man himself. If you ever want to know something about a Disney resort, he's the guy. My brother, my good friend, Mr. Joe Q. How are you, man? What's going on, brother? How are you tonight? I am doing well. Um, been an interesting day, put it that way. Uh, I want to fill you in real quick. Um, just to let our listeners know, I gave blood for the first time in about 20 years today. I went for a physical. And I almost passed out of the doctor's office. Really? Okay. Dude, and I almost passed out of the doctor's <laughs> office. It was not a, not a good situation. Are you afraid so of needles? Oh, my God. Deathly afraid. Deathly. Dude, I am a 42-year-old grown man, and I had my wife come into the room with me. And the phlebotomist was like, oh, you're one of those fainters, aren't you? She's like, okay, here we go. So, yeah, interesting day. But I did not pass out. It was very close, though. Very close. But but I'm up. So I'm I guessing feel you great. don't have any tattoos. No, no, no tattoos. Dude. Right. <laughs> and I am not an intravenous drug user either. Right? So... <laughs> That might not well, be that's great, man. Uh, well, congratulations <laughs> on on giving blood. That's fantastic uh, that, that you got that done. Um, yeah, interesting day for me too. Here, it's yeah, uh, right. I'll talk to you a couple times today, and it's a busy, busy time of the year for me because um, look, it's it's a good problem to have. Uh, we have a ton of people, ton of DDP today. Uh, Sorcerer's running team heading down for marathon weekend. Of course, we are still raising money for Give Kids the World. Click that link below, and we'll be able to. Uh, send multiple families to Disney at no cost to them so they can have six, seven days uh, with absolute just joy. Don't have to worry about all of everything going on in their lives. Uh, so be a part of that. Give uh, and share that link. It's really, really, really amazing what you guys as a Disney family have been able to do so far. But we are coming down to the home stretch, running till December 31st with that. And we are going to rock it out. We're going to hit that $10,000 goal. So let's get it going with that. Uh, but look, our Sorcerer family, the one thing they do is they do support Away With Me Travel. A lot of them book their trips through us. And with that, you know, being an agency, we take care of their dining for them. Well, we've got quite a few people traveling to Walt Disney World uh, over the next, uh, from January, pretty much like second all the way through Marathon Weekend. So I had dining this morning, man, for, uh, for an amazing client. And always so much fun to work with him and his family. But, of course, Disney IT struck, and there were some issues. And it took me almost two hours to get the dining done, which typically takes Ooh. me about 15 minutes. Um, but luckily, we were able to get it done, able to get everything booked. And I was happy that, I, you know, Katie gives me our time. Katie's like, you you spend more time on everybody else's stuff than our own. And I'm like, well, because you feel, you know, I, I want them to have an amazing vacation. She's like, can't you do our dining too, please? Um, so this week, I'm going to have to have to do our dining as well. But yeah, uh, early morning, and then I have Dining Joe again on Sunday morning, Monday morning, and Tuesday morning. So uh, although it's very early mornings, uh, waking up 5.45 to do dining, it is also very happy because there's nothing like sending that email to people and saying, you're all set, I've got everything you want and more, and you're going to have a great vacation. It's such a good feeling. 
So let me tell you something. As a professional, right? This is what you do. This is one of your 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 profession, right? You book people's travel, especially Walt Disney World trips. For these are big trips for a lot of your guests. Is there like some a sort of like huge satisfaction or rush when you actually get the reservations that they want? Because is it kind of like when we make our own personal reservations? Because the last thing you want to do is break it to a client, right? Like I couldn't get this for you. Like it's got to be a rush because it's so hard to get so many Disney reservations, right? I mean. For you to come through, wake up at five forty-five, right, and then making that reservation, like, and let your client know that, yep, got everything you wanted. Like, there's got to be a rush for you, right? I mean, it's, it's Disney it's reservations are not easy. They're not easy, especially when it's large parties. Like today was a party of eight, um, and so it it is a rush. There's also a, a bit of fear because it's not fear that like anyone would be mad because I, you know, we have a, I always meet with all my clients beforehand to talk a little bit. And we come up with our game plan. I talk them through if they have any questions about, you know, a certain restaurant. We'll chat about it because um, that's one thing is I've eaten it almost everywhere on property. Uh, so we come up with our plan. But then, you know, there's almost this fear because you want it to be as amazing as possible for them. Uh, because a lot of times they're not in the parks as often as you and I are. And so sometimes it's maybe once every five years or once every two years. And you want them to get those dining reservations that you know they've really wanted for a long time. And so... Uh, once you do get it, though, it is there's nothing better than going check your MDE and let me know what you think. And you always get those messages back like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you were able to get hoopty doo or you were able to get, uh, you know, a character breakfast that we wanted or Topolino's or and uh, it makes it all worth it, man. It really does. It's uh, but this morning I was I was three seconds away from throwing my computer because uh, because Disney IT was was failing me at the too early in the morning. My patience <laughs> is not that good at early in the morning. Uh, so. So I got one more thing before we hit tonight's topic is right when this when this show comes out, it's going to be a little bit after next week. Right now, we actually have our Sorcerers uh, running team down at Walt Disney World for the Wine and Dine Half Marathon weekend. So when this comes out, I believe it'll be after the weekend. So congratulations to everybody who participated in this uh, weekend's Run Disney event down in Walt Disney World. But we're also going to be around that 60-day mark for Marathon Weekend, as you stated before uh, in your opening here. My question to you, Justin, is what is your, for dining purposes, right, mm -hmm. for Marathon Weekend, what do you think is, what is your favorite restaurants that you recommend to your clients? I know I have mine, you know, for, for as a runner, but what do you recommend to your clients when they, uh, they're booking travel uh, with you through Away With Me Travel for, like, you know, Run Disney Weekend? What do you recommend to them? It just depends on what they've done and what they want to try. Like, if it's a full family going, it's a completely different vacation than if it's two adults going. I mean, look, I'm, I am a complete, like, I'm, I should get it tattooed on me that Topolino's is amazing. So I'm always telling, we were talking with a client today, and uh, we, were, we were hanging out and chatting Disney a little bit, and um, she was talking about how she wants to do an after-hours event at Hollywood Studios. Like, yeah, we'll get that, we'll get taken care of. And she's going to do Epcot a little bit before, and I was like, oh, you know that you could uh, go to Epcot, take the gondola, because just her and her husband, take the gondola over. Uh, to Topolino's for a nice like six o'clock, seven o'clock <laughs> dinner, and then go to Hollywood Studios for the after hours, and it's perfect because it's easy transportation. We'll get it booked, get it all set, and she's like, "Yeah, that that does sound good." So um, it's it's fun, man, to chat through with people because everybody kind of has a different idea. Some people don't put as big an emphasis on dining. I mean, whenever we talk about, you know, I think especially with Marathon Weekend brings into effect uh, to an effect that something we don't see with family vacations is most time if you're going to run you're meeting up with a group like you have like a running team or you have a friend that you're meeting stuff like that so we have larger parties so we see a lot more dining in epcot than we do kind of outside 
of or in the other Disney theme parks because a lot of people I think end up at Epcot post uh, races. So a lot of Via Napoli, a lot of uh, like Beer Garden we've seen because you can get large parties in there quite easily. Um, Tepanito, like things like that. So uh, Rose and Crown, we 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 did that one just just the other day. So um, I think those are the ones around World Showcase that tend to get really populated during run during marathon weekends um outside of that and then of course all if you say italian anywhere it's pretty much going to be booked during those race weekends because everyone wants to carb load i guess before now i'm not a runner so i don't know the the gist but uh but i think everybody wants to carb load and and hit up all those italian spots yeah the one thing i would definitely recommend everybody at least for it you know we're right around the 60 day mark as well for our marathon weekend reservations and i know for me my plan is honestly the night before the race is hit up the food court. I'm going to hit Landscape of Flavors, one of my favorite places on property the night before a Walt Disney World race. And they always have a great pasta bar there. You don't need a reservation. There's plenty of seating. They have plenty of food there. And it's at a reasonable price. Um, either that or a Trattoria Al Forno as well. Um, mm-hmm. Or my Il Molino. Il Molino will always have over at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. They will always have a running special over there as well for Run Disney Weekend. So those are my top three picks for places I go to. But don't overlook those food courts, guys. And the resorts, especially if you're a runner, you're down there by yourself or with your family or with a large group, you can meet up at a resort at a food court. Even if you want to go to, like I said, take the gondola from Epcot over to uh, Pop Century or Art of Animation, that's easy as well. If you got a large group and you can hit up uh, some food there without a reservation last minute. So something to keep in mind uh, for all of you runners out there. When you guys hear this episode, we'll be within that 60 day window. So just a little tip for you guys as well when you're booking your uh, your uh, your dining reservations going forward. Absolutely love it. And you'll have to look out for Joe and myself. Uh, We'll both be in the world during Marathon Weekend uh, in January. So look out for us. We'll be down there cheering on the DDP Sorcerers running team. And we'll be there to to hang out and celebrate the Give Kids the World uh, charity that we uh, have have come together to support. So excited about that. Joe, though, let's get into tonight's topic. It's just me and you. Uh, The other guys are busy with work and travel and all that good stuff. So uh, you and I are hanging out. We were talking about topics, and we have quite a few that we had listed. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to bump this topic up. This topic was supposed to be in a couple weeks, but you and I, this is kind of right down our wheelhouse. We love uh, Disney history whenever it comes to extinct places. And so what I thought we would talk about tonight are five extinct areas around Walt Disney World property that we would love to experience again. Uh, There are lots of places around the world that have closed throughout the years that maybe you fell in love with or it was part of your childhood or part of your early Disney memories, and now they are no longer there because, as Walt said, you know he does not want Disney to be a museum. It always is changing, always is growing, always is moving. And, of course, we see that in the parks currently as they're doing construction at Epcot uh, with the changes there. But it brought to mind five different places that you and I, maybe if we didn't experience them in person, we would like to have had a chance to experience them uh, and wish we could go back and have that one more day at those spots. Joe, before we get into our five, uh, Disney has changed a lot over the years, brother, since you and I started going. And uh, I think it's for the better overall, but sometimes letting go is the hardest part. I think that was a song or something like that. Oh, is that waiting is the hardest part. There we go. That's it. (laughs) Well, there are some cities like the city that you live in, the Holy City, uh, that they have historical societies. I know there are some social media platforms out there that are, quote unquote, you know, historical societies for Walt Disney World. And I wish some of these areas would actually fall into those historical societies where you couldn't knock them down or you couldn't get rid of them. I understand Walt said, you know, things are constantly changing. And yes, we want new attractions. We want new experiences when we go on our vacations. But there are some things we just 
just need to be left alone a little bit. So, uh, and we're going to discuss a few of those tonight. And I know the first one is probably one of the top ones on my list um, that I wish we can come back. Uh, that wish would come back from from the dead because I dearly, dearly miss it. Well, this uh, this this place is not definitely not coming back from the dead. It is uh, actually. Uh, set to be replaced um, with a brand new place uh, here very, very soon. And we are talking about Disney's River Country. Uh, look, Disney's River Country located back behind Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. Uh, it opened to the public on June 20th, 1976, and it was known as the first water park uh, in the world to have a theme, which is very, very cool. And the theme was an old-fashioned swimming hole uh, based on the character of Goofy and his adventures. Uh, look, for me, I never personally got to experience River Country, Joe. I always wanted to. I thought it was a very, very unique uh, idea to have a water park kind of literally built into its natural setting. Uh, were, you, did, were you ever able to go and experience River Country? I did. I have plenty of home movies with me at River Country as a small kid. Um, I was probably... I'd say between the ages of five and probably 10 years old when I went a handful of times, I had a blast. I remember um, the things I remember most about River Country um, were the boom swing um, that were kind of like, so if you could picture River Country, everybody, it's unfortunately River Country has been known more for being abandoned in this generation yeah. of Disney fans rather than actually what it was, which is a amazing water park that nothing had ever been built like this before. And a truly a themed water park for now. It wasn't just slides. It was, it was themed. And, um, so think about like, you know, using natural lake water as part of like your water park, um, the boom swing in the middle of this like area of open water, uh, where if you could think about how crazy and how safe Disney is, right. When, you know, all the lifeguards around the pool and how safe and all the policies and the procedures, these, these, some of these attractions were run by the guests themselves. I swear, I did not lying to you. I have home <laughs> movies of the boom swing and I have my father like operating the boom swing with kids hanging off of it. And it just, that's the way it was. But that's like some of the memories between that and the kitty cove and the slippery slide falls, which was um, these slides that kind of like, that went from like, like a, a fake rock area into like uh, one of the only pools in the like, you know, regular natural pool. And, um, that's what I remember is just going off those slides and being on, on, on the boom swings and just having a ton of fun. Um, I remember staying at the contemporary, the Polynesian taking the boat over to Fort Wilderness and, and pulling up to uh, the docks at Fort Wilderness and seeing river country there and everybody's already there and just ready, just running, ready to get onto property there and start enjoying all of the water slides and stuff. And that was a huge part of our vacation back then. Cause I remember when I was a kid, man, there was, Epcot was still in its infancy. There was no studios, no Animal Kingdom. So, like these were things that you did outside of the parks. You did other things. And River Country was River Country and Discovery Island were two big parts of our family vacations uh, growing up. You know, the one thing that I love uh, about River Country, and I wish I could have experienced it, was yes, they had Upstream Plunge, which was a, a clean water pool, um, which some of the some of the water slides emptied into. But Bay Cove was a half acre sand bottom lake. Uh, which is this is where your boom swing was and everything. Yep. And for me, look, I <laughs> we look back now and it does seem quite crazy that something like this ever existed at Walt Disney World with the amount of uh, safety features they have at uh, at the world and, and at their resorts and in the parks and all that. Uh, but there's there's almost a simplicity to it, Joe, that makes it magical. Like I I look at something like that and it's not over the top themed. It's not over the top. Uh, uh, you know, not crazy high slides, not, you know, it just is a simple water park 
but it's done so well because it has that, you know, when you and I were young, we'd want to we'd want to go on adventures. You watch like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and all this stuff. And it has that idea of of that story, you know, that um, that you can be on an adventure. And not only that, you're on an adventure in Walt Disney World and you can't see anywhere else. You know, you're you're kind of secluded off to the side. You're over by Fort Wilderness. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. I, I wish I could go and spend one day at uh, River Country just to have those moments to experience the boom swing and the cable ride and the tire swing and all that kind of stuff. It, it really does. I think, you know, it, it's funny because there's a rumor that there was it was closed because of some accidents that happened, but that Disney has since put that to bed. You know, they just said it's, you know, it was, I think it was too much to keep it in operation with the filtration and all that kind of stuff that they were doing. Um, so why they cha- they they got rid of this i don't know maybe it was the transportation aspect maybe it was location uh what do you think what do you think was the reason for closure so first of all i want to go touch on a point you said before about you know it's not this tall large water slides first of all river country was perfect it was perfect because it was perfect size it only the capacity was only under 10,000 i mean it was less it was way less than that it fit perfectly into the theming of Fort Wilderness. It was part of the Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. Like it wasn't it was a separate admission ticket, right? But it was part of it. It was it it fit the theme fit perfectly into Fort Wilderness. It was seamless. When you go to Typhoon Lagoon and you go to Blizzard Beach today, it feels very concrete. It's very artificial. It's very the theming's great. I mean like Typhoon Lagoon's themed fantastic with a ship on top. Blizzard Beach, great theming, you know, like that's fine. This was nestled into the trees, into the natural, uh, the natural landscape of Central Florida. Like they, they built it perfectly. I mean, they incorporated Bay Lake into it. I mean, I know they had a, they had, and for the time when it was built, like in '76, they had a very sophisticated, I don't want to say filtration system, but the way they used to cycle the water in and out was absolutely amazing. I mean, I can't, I've seen videos and I've read some articles on it, but it's very complicated. That's why it closed. You know. There's those rumors about what happened, you know, some people maybe gotten sick or some accidents, whatever, but a lot of it was due to, you know, it was really hard to get to. It was set way back in Fort Wilderness. And if you, you know, want to find out about some, you know, historical attractions that are no longer here, you know, Fort Wilderness originally had the Fort Wilderness Railroad and that was supposed to take some of the, uh, the uh, stress off the bus and tram systems to get guests from the front of Fort Wilderness to River Country and, and Pioneer Hall. That really didn't work out. It only lasted a few years. So if you weren't staying at like a Magic Kingdom resort or coming from the Magic Kingdom itself, it was really hard to get to uh, to a river country. So that was one of its downfalls, especially now with with Typhoon Lagoon opening up. You could drive right to the parking lot. Those buses there, it was very easy to get to. So that was one. it It was a multitude of reasons. It was getting dated. But it was really perfect. I really wish they would have just kind of like maybe downsized it a little bit and maybe incorporated it as a resort pool. That's not going to happen. The last thing I really want to say about this is we all saw reflections, what was supposed to go on the former River Country site. And nobody likes to see a fan favorite, you know, attraction go, right? But I was really hoping that as a resort guy, I don't know why they didn't do this. But even if it's a DVC resort deluxe, if you had a Disney's River Country resort, oh my goodness, I would have been apps with you know themed with Goofy and 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 Tuck Finn and Tom Sawyer, like that would have been absolutely mind blowing. I would have I would actually have bought direct points for that resort. I would have, I would have bought the minimum direct points so I can get a you know first crack at eleven months. That would have been absolutely amazing. It's possibly still on the table. They're not doing anything with that site right now. So Disney, if you're yep. listening, please. River Country Resort would be absolutely amazing. But yeah, it's a really special, really special uh, place. 
Well, it's a, it's amazing to me too because now that you say that, I don't understand why Disney doesn't do certain things like that. It's such an easy concept to grasp because you do have kind of Disney Puritans whenever you talk about the the hosts of the show that if you threw something in like that, we're going to throw our money at it. Like we want to go be a part. I would rather you do that than to do a Star Wars hotel or to do a, you know, like make something that has a sentiment to the past, to what built Walt Disney World, what drew people in our generation in, what, you know, those memories. Put pictures of River Country all over the resort. You know, make a slide that's identical to a slide that was in River Country and put it in the pool at the resort absolutely. pool. Yeah, do a hoop and holler, you know, slide. It'd be absolutely amazing. I mean, the, the, the merchandise you'd be able to sell, uh, the meet and greets. I mean, it would be... It'd be absolutely amazing if they were to do something like that, but you know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, Disney sometimes does take our um, does take our uh, you know suggestions and stuff like that. The one thing I say, Justin, is um, is one of my prized possessions. As you know, we're all Disney fans and Disney hardcore fans, we keep things from the past. I have two, and I have them in a glass frame. I have two mint condition, unused combo River Country uh, Discovery Island tickets that have never been used. I don't even know what they would give me for value for them, but they are in a glass frame in my man cave upstairs. They're like my prized possessions. Like they're mint condition. So dude, I uh, wouldn't I, get rid of them. I keep no them. way. No, that's, I'm, I'm keeping awesome. them. They, yeah. No, they're, they're my, one of my favorite Disney, uh, collectible items from when I was a kid and, uh, they're still sitting upstairs in my man cave. So, uh, I'll actually post a picture, um, in our uh, Facebook group after the show tonight and I'll post it for everybody to see. So it's uh, yeah, hundred yep. percent, man. Uh, well, let's move on to number two on our list. Uh, these are in no order, particular order. This is somewhere that personally, you know, you were talking about river country. It was really big for you and your childhood. Whenever you go to the parks, um, this is a place for me that I really enjoyed. It's funny too, because it was simple in its concept, but I spent a lot of time here when I was a child and even moving into adulthood, uh, I would still spend a lot of time here and even took my daughter here up until, you know, quite recently. And it's somewhere that I wish I could go back and really experience it at certain times of the year in particular. And that is the Streets of America, which was at Disney's Hollywood Studios, of course. Um, Joe, I loved it. It resembled both kind of uh, the San Francisco, the New York uh, skyline, you know, there, uh, the storefronts that you could walk down. They had just some amazing, amazing uh, features on this. Then we'll talk about the big one here, you know, in just a little bit. But it also, look, it had Muppet Vision 3D. It had the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set, which for me, oh, yeah. I loved. Dude, Absolutely. how great was that, that to was go so play cool. in that thing? I remember the, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set because – that was at a time when the movie was huge at the time and they had multiple, you know, the, the, the sequels to it. And I was a big fan of, of that movie and just to be able to see these giant blades of grass and look, even as like a, you know, a 10 or 12 year old to be able to go down the slide, and just kind of play around. Auntie, and I thought it was like, was yeah, there. it was, it was super cool. And that's what, that is what Disney's MGM studios was all about. That's why that's the golden era of MGM studios, like the streets of America, the backlot tour, the honey, I shrunk the kids movie set, you know, uh, just seeing how like the sets were being built and looking like, wow, that's actually a facade. And you know, that's what MGM was to me. Like I get like, that's the golden age of like the Disney world to me. And when I think of MGM studios, you think of streets of America, you think of the back lot tour because that's was the heart and soul of when you went to go, uh, to go do those attractions at the time when it was MGM studios, it was just, a, it was a cool different experience that you didn't get to see at any other theme park. 
No, you absolutely nailed it. And that's it's what MGM and Hollywood Studios was meant to be. If we think about it and we look back, it's meant to give you an inside look as to what a studio does and what they're you know, what it brings to the table with having these working sets and taking you on the backlot tour. And then, you know, in 2005, you get Lights Motor Action that opens, you know, with seeing how they did all the stunts with the cars. I'll never forget the first time I watched that show, Joe, and the guy's driving backwards and it's crazy speeding, you know, and then they turn the car around, you realize he's been driving forward the whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you get this idea of how they make movies, which is really cool. And we still have some parts of this that are left over. I mean, you still have Muppet Vision 3D, which kind of, dude, I swear, I've been saying it for years now. Now that Galaxy's Edge is open, Muppet Vision 3D better hang on with all its Muppet toes and all its Muppet fingers to whatever it can get its hands on because it is one decision away from that being closed, that all gone, Pizza Rizzo gone, all that gone, and all that being Star Wars. Yeah, I do. It is all is one mouth is one like projector malfunction That's away. It. It, or it's mu- one seat breaking. <laughs> they can't. One they can't find the part for something. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. They can't find the part for an animatronic or the, the screen ripped or. You know. I will I'm say this. You. Call me crazy. All right, and I, I consider myself a pizza snob, but I've eaten at Pizza Rizzo. And I'm one. I'm one to throw my nose about Via Napoli. And Via Napoli's actually gotten a lot better. I've actually pretty good experiences yeah, yeah. lately. I don't actually mind the pizza at Pizza Rizzo. We don't either. Katie it's loves funny, it. It's like funny, for for what it is. And I know it used to be Pizza Planet back in the day, which yeah. I actually miss Pizza Planet. Uh, but I actually don't mind the Pizza Rizzo. It it's a. Uh, it's not a bad option for what you pay for. I just want to throw that out there. Um, maybe no, my standards are getting lower. I don't know. There. But I. But I agree with you, man. Like it's weird because Muppet Vision is kind of like in that purgatory. Of Star Tours and Galaxy's you. Edge, you know, but uh, we'll see what happens. I wish they would do more with that. I know it's a, a topic for probably a separate show, but I wish that the, the Disney company would do more with the Muppets because I mean that's that's our childhood, man. I mean, like I know they're not really on much any, you know. I mean, I guess they're on YouTube now. But I don't see them on TV much anymore. But like, I would love to see more of the Muppets uh, in the parks. I mean, it'd be fantastic. But yeah, hanging on for a thread. It's kind of like the journey into imagination for the yeah. studios. Yeah. It's just kind of hanging there, but. Yeah, but I feel like um, yeah. I feel like Figment's got this almost this I don't know this. Oh, he's got second life, Figment. Oh, he's got second yeah, life. Yeah, he he became the face of Epcot, and once that happened, I don't think they can get rid of him. I just, he was always the face of Epcot. Just the company didn't know it. Yeah, I agree. The Walt Disney Company didn't know it. He was always and, the face of Epcot. But they know it now. That amount oh, of merch that's popping out of that place. They do. Oh, they definitely know. Uh, you know, and we talk about you know whenever we talk about Streets of America, we're talking about. Lights, motor, action, gone. We're talking about the backlot tour, gone. They had the Monsters, Inc. meet and greet, gone. They had the Cars meet and greet, gone. Had the Phineas and Ferb meet and greet, which I loved, gone. Uh, then, I, did you ever see Mulch, Sweat, and Shears, the the band, the, so I, the three guys? I, I knew of them. Um, I knew there was, there was some other podcasters that were huge fans I of them. Love them. Love yeah, them. I never I never saw them in person, but I knew of them. Uh, but I never actually saw like a performance by them now. I know they have a cult some, following now. Somewhere I have a guitar pick from one of the guys the little groupie is coming out of you i say yeah they would come around and hand them out and when katie was pregnant she was having a really tough time and i rented a wheelchair and they came around and handed her one and somewhere i don't know where it's at i've got so much disney stuff i need to go through and actually give some disney stuff away at some point uh put it up uh you know put it up and we'll auction it off and give the money to give kids the world um 
but look, the last thing left, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids gone. Last thing left is uh, is Muppets. So let's. Hey, I'm cheering hard, man. I want Muppets to stay. Muppet Courtyard to be there. Um, I don't want it to go anywhere. But look, the thing for me too is when we talked about it, certain time of year, Streets of America completely transformed. Um, it became this dazzling spectacle that we would go to, and we used we used to always love to go to the lighting of the lights. Um, there for the um, Osborne family lights. lights. I mean, absolutely loved it. It was absolutely incredible. I I was super bummed when they did not renew that contract. Now we know why Mm -hmm. they did not renew the contract. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some plans in the works. (laughs) You know, at the time we were like, oh, okay. We, uh, you know, I think they're just not renewing and they're going to take the lights somewhere else. Oh, okay. I see what they're doing here. And it's so. a shame right now, man, because it's like the beginning of November right now. When Halloween just passed. And in Walt Disney World calendar, we are officially in the Christmas season. So once Halloween ends and, you know, even during the time of the Osborne Family Lights, like there was podcasts, there were blogs, and we would already be talking about uh, the lights going up. There'd be reports like, yep, yeah. Osborne Lights are starting to go up. They go up about August or September. They mm-hmm. were like, they, it would take them a really long time to get them up. And, uh, but now we'd be like already having shows, uh, because we'd be in the Christmas season and just walking through it and just that display and how the lights would be, you know, timed perfectly with the music. It's just, it was a, a great tradition that is unfortunately gone. And I don't know, man. I think if you were to take a poll of people that have Galaxy's Edge or <laughs> Osborne Family Lights, you might be surprised by the uh, the uh, what people would say. But what would you I, vote? I mean, I would well, I don't, not to upset Mike, you know, whatever. But I would vote for the. They're Osborne not here. Family. I know, I know, but he's going to listen to this eventually. He does our test listens, but Mike, I'm sorry, I would go for the Osborne Family Lights. But dude, I'm going you know, for Osborne I, Lights too. I'm sorry. I love yeah. Galaxy's Edge and Rise of Resistance. Maybe one of the greatest attractions ever made. But I that that standing there. With and they had the little carts out with the hot cocoa mm-hmm. and like uh, cookies and popcorn and all that, and you could get those. And then I think it was like five thirty or five o'clock each night they would come and they would you know turn the lights on. It was like a big ceremony where you count it down, and it would just light up and the music's playing, and then the snow would blow, the fake snow would blow down the down the streets of America. I. <laughs> those are the memories man that i i love i absolutely love i, I would love I, what i used to love doing two things would one when you take when you took friends that never been to disney world yeah, before to show yeah. them that and number two would be you found a spot on the side to maybe have like a hot cocoa or something a drink whatever like you'd be kind of out of the way but watch first time guests come through there and just people watch be like wow you know you'd be like yeah this is legit like i kind of miss that you know what i'm saying like you get that still with the nighttime spectaculars i understand that but the Osborne family, it's just nothing that you didn't see anywhere that you actually got to walk through. It was just a really great experience. I mean, I guess, you know, those are the good old days. You know, the parks change, but like I said, sometimes I really wish some things didn't change, but good memories though. And the good thing is that with YouTube and online stuff, we can still kind of relive that. It's not the same, but it, there is, you know, digital media out there that we can remember the Osborne family lights by. hundred uh, percent. Well, let's move on to the next one on our list. Uh, Joe, this is right up your alley. This is uh, heading over to Epcot. Another area that is extinct now that we wish we could go back and experience at least one more time 
And that is the pavilion, that is the Wonders of Life pavilion over in Future World. Uh, officially opened October the 30th of 1989, sponsored by MetLife. And uh, look, it was an amazing, amazing place with some amazing, amazing attractions in it. Didn't close till 2007. And uh, you will talk about you know what it is doing now, Joe. What's your? Uh, whenever we talk about this, we're talking body wars. We're talking cranium command. We're talking the making of me. We're talking about goofy about health. We're talking uh, coach's corner. What tons of stuff in here? What is that memory for you when we talk wonders of life that just says, man, I wish I could do this at least one more time. Well, some of my best family vacations to Walt Disney World were around the time this was a brand new attraction you know open in 89 i'd say my best vacations were from like probably 91 through 97 i mean where i was like a teenager turning into an adult as an 18 year old going there with my cousins and my brother and i could do more of the adult things and go and hang out with my older cousins and when we did this you know when this attraction was open body wars that was a huge thrill ride i mean like Mm -hmm. it was kind of like yeah you had star tours but you had body wars that was a you waited in line for that i rode that with my older cousins um, I remember doing uh, Coach's Corner, and I joked with you before the show started. You know, I used to go in there, and you could do golf, you could do a baseball swing. There was a couple of different things that you could do, and they had some of the um, more prominent uh, sports figures at that time would give you quote unquote advice. I don't know if they use sensors or what. I don't know how it, how it worked, but I remember I would always do a golf swing, and Nancy Lopez, who is a Hall of Fame LPGA golfer, uh, would come on and give you advice. And I actually thought that she was somewhere. <laughs> advice like she was kind of like you know facetiming in yeah yeah she's facetiming (laughs) in before facetime was a thing right but uh but i remember that uh i just thought you know and i i thought i was a pretty good golfer back then right i'm sure uh, our friend bed woman would think otherwise you know right but i thought back then i had a great swing and i was kind of showing off in front of everybody so i remember that as well but i remember you know body wars i remember cranium command yeah man um, coach's corner i mean those were just like the, the making of me, okay? <laughs> I was a teenager. Uh, you know, those were just really cool attractions. And that was, for Epcot back then, that was that was thrill stuff. You know, I mean, what was really the thrill ride in Epcot in 1990? It really wasn't one. Maelstrom, maybe? You know, and you had a couple I mean, little drops yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was it. So this was like where everybody, this is where the it place was at Epcot in the early to mid-1990s. I mean, because really, in 2007, it was a shell of itself. It really was. It wasn't really anything of what it was in its heyday. But I, what about for you? Did you ever get to experience this when, you know, you were a parks kid growing up? Uh, yeah, many, or- many times, many, many, many times, uh, body wars, but cranium command for me, because I'm a little bit younger than you. Um, and so for me, I remember going into cranium command and buzzy, uh, was there and you know, you were inside the head, like you were seeing how everything worked. And really, I think that is one of the, we should do a show sometime on underrated animatronics, audio animatronics, because Buzzy was really a fantastic audio animatronic for that time period. If you look back, I mean, he would move all around the stage. Um, I know he was seated and they would move the chair, but the way he would move in the chair was was fantastic. Uh, and I just loved it. I know a lot of people would go and maybe they were a little bit older and they thought it was a little bit boring and, and all that. But for me as a kid being eight, nine, ten years old, I thought this was super cool. Because, look, I was not the same ten-year-old that Riley is the same ten-year-old. Like, because Riley's had the internet her entire life. She's had a cell phone in her hand and an iPad in her hand her entire life. And she has this new generation. I think they're harder. It's not it's a bad thing at all. You know, they're just harder to make excited about small things. Like, Disney has to rock out an attraction to make a new generation excited. It is harder now 
to make something fantastic than it was in the mid-1980s. That's true, yeah. I mean, it just is. For and me, th- Cranium Command was fantastic. And I think about this too, right? When this pavilion opened, this was one of the first pavilions in Epcot that actually had multiple attractions under the same roof. I mean, like you had, for example, I mean, maybe the land, you had Kitchen Cabaret, you had Living with the Land, two attractions under the same roof, but you had multiple, multiple attractions all in one place that you mm-hmm. could walk into this, you know, Golden Dome and you can go straight to go to Body Wars. You can go right to go to Cranium Command, Coach's Corners over here to the back left. There was multiple things to do for all ages in one place. So you could spend a good couple hours in one pavilion and you could do it dry. If it was raining out and you're getting, you know, it was thunderstorms outside, you could still do all of those attractions while staying dry. So it was kind of like a, a big deal when it really opened up. I mean, to, yeah. in today's day and age, like I said, you need to, I mean, if it's not, if it's nothing less than guardians of the galaxy or, you know, a rise of the resistance, people yeah. are like, uh, yeah, whatever. But like, this is a big Dude, deal back in the day. Look at Mickey and Minnie's people when it opened, were like, ah, it's okay. I'm like, it's one of the greatest attractions. I mean, let's just stop it right now. It's fantastic. Um, you know, and the, the other thing like with Cran- uh, cranium command and body wars and all these Disney went out because Disney in the 1980s has this amazing relationship with actors and actresses because it's kind of this renaissance of Disney television and Disney animation and Disney movies. Um, with the Disney Channel coming on board. Dude, they go get, for Cranium Command, they go get John Lovitz, they go get uh, George Went, they get uh, Bobcat Goldwaith, who's great comedian, you know. Uh, they get Dana Carvey, they get Kevin Nealon to d- be voice actors for this show. I mean, like, they go completely out. Kirk Wise is in there. Like, they do, they completely nail it with all of these voice actors. And here's a little fun piece of information about Cranium Command. As they say at Disney, no good idea ever dies, Joe. Do you know where Cranium Command comes into play later in a Disney animated movie? I do not. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, um, uh, wait the movie with all the different senses. That's um, it. Well, Inside Out. All the Inside different, Out, thank you. Yeah. God, so I, I, Fear, I, I, yeah. All of our listeners are yelling at me fear like, you and don't know joy Inside and, Out. Yeah. So, uh, who, who, of course, the main girl is Riley. So uh, it's the, the same same name as my daughter. Um, but the idea was you're seeing inside the head just like you were in Cranium Command. So the, they take these ideas and they put them towards, towards movies down the line. And it really, really does work. Uh, I loved this pavilion. Like you said, we don't see it very often. I think Living with the Land and uh, Soren um, over in the Land Pavilion is probably the closest thing to it now that we can walk into and experience multiple things and you know be under a roof. I'm surprised Disney does not do this with the amount of rain that Central Florida gets. Um, but yeah, it, it, for me, I absolutely loved it. I think that the Wonders of Life Pavilion, it's, it's really kind of sad now, man, because like you said, even in 2007, it was a show of itself. They had started closing attractions uh, even before that. It just kind of comes this just place to go into to, to see um, almost just like videos and, and images and stuff at the very, very end. And then we get uh, what what would come to be pretty much a festival center for the last decade. I mean, they're just like, hey, we're going to put in, whenever we do food and wine or the arts festival, we're going to open this up and we're going to put um, all kinds AP, of... AP merch in there. AP merch. Yeah, exactly. Like, so you can go shop or you can go ch- taste chocolates from uh, Ghirardelli. I can't never say it. I say that right? Mm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And so they, they definitely... Um, you know, it's it was time sad to walk. make a it change. Was, it was sad walking in there, man. I remember when it was a festival center. And it, when it was a festival center, it was open. The festival really hadn't expanded to, quote unquote, future world at that no, time. It, it was really just no. kind of just still sat in World Showcase. So you had the center in the front, you know, left of the park. And then everything else was in the back of the park. It just made absolutely like no sense. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a place to buy merch and you know, whatever. But I think the uh, building's seen better days. Um, you know, I've seen rumors where they've, they've done some repairs. They said, oh, the repairs aren't so good. So it wouldn't surprise me if this comes down. This would be one of those things, you know, Justin, if it did end up coming down, I wouldn't be completely sad because it's been empty so long, but it's a great space there in the front that something else could go there. So hopefully in the future, if they don't use that building, that they will do something with it and maybe give us something new uh, for that part of uh, Epcot. So, well, so right now it's supposed to be uh, the play pavilion uh, in that area when it was supposed to already open, but of course COVID completely shut down everything. Um, it will be uh, Epcot's World Discovery, and um, they're saying the the rumors are these are all rumors, of course, that uh, it will have an animation academy, and then it'll have a few games, interactive games in there where you can interact with uh, both Disney and Pixar characters, um, and then they'll have some meet and greets in there as well. So that's all rumored, though, nothing that's guaranteed. Um, but yeah, something will go there. I, I I don't know if they'll completely knock down that building. I think they'll kind of Disney has learned. With doing Guardians of the Galaxy, they can use these existing structures and go in and renovate and make it state-of-the-art. I mean, you look what they did <laughs> turning, El- I mean, Ellen's into Guardians. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's I mean, insane, it's, man. It, you don't even feel like you're in the same building. No, it doesn't feel like <laughs> I mean, it at all. It doesn't feel like it at all. I remember that dirty carpet when you walk in Ellen's. You'd have that area, you know, that big area you'd wait in before the doors would open uh, with the screens up top where Ellen's walking around and talking and stuff like that. And uh, now you walk in and it's, I mean, it's so state of the art, man. It's just, it's crazy that it, it's funny too, because Disney is, Disney's great at, at telling stories and they have been the front runner of having those stories come outside of the attraction and they start in the queue. I mean, if you look at Rise of Resistance and you look at Guardians and we're not giving any spoilers on Guardians, we're going to give you, a, look, we have a new rule on the show. You have until the next big attraction opens, and then there are spoilers on the last big attraction that opened, okay? So when Tron opens, we are going full in on Guardians. You have until then to ride it, to experience it, and then we are all on board. I think that's fair, don't you think, Joe? I think Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that's a good... We, you got to probably another six months at least, so get yeah. down there and ride it, so... So we're good. Uh, yeah, man, anything you want to add to, uh, to, to this pavilion, the Wonders of Life pavilion that... I mean, it would be fun, man, just to go back one more time, do Body Wars, do uh, Cranium Command... Go hit some golf balls over at the coach's corner. You know, yeah. all that good stuff. I mean, it's just like I said, it's a lot a lot of our Disney memories are from a lot of our Disney love for attractions is, you know, memories that we had there. And I just I had a lot of great memories there with my cousins and my brother and stuff like that. So I would just love to go back and kind of relive that one more day and you know, like everything else. And it kind of tells you though, when we go to the parks, right? Don't take anything for granted because your favorite attraction may not be there. Uh, it may just close one day. It may not get the the two year warning like Splash Mountain is getting. You know, <laughs> that you mean, hey, you want to come ride this? It's gonna close in a year or two. Like sometimes they just may close for a furbishment yeah. and never reopen. So go out there and enjoy your favorite attractions because you never know when uh, when they'll be gone. But uh, you know, love uh, I love that pavilion and uh, great memories with it, especially if it rhymes with puppets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Muppets is, <laughs> Muppets is right there. Uh, Joe, let's move on. Number four on our list. And uh, this one I'm going to sit back and enjoy listening to you think about the days of past, the happy days in Joe Q's life when you were able to experience the need for speed. And we are talking the Walt Disney World Speedway. Brother, man, this for you has got to be one. If you could have a day, I think, at Walt Disney World doing anything, could go back in time, get in that time machine, and have one more day. I think I know where I'd find you. 
Yeah, so somebody who lives down the street from the Daytona International Speedway, which is one of the most famous uh, racetracks, not only in the United States, but in the world. Uh, I would absolutely love if the Walt Disney World Speedway was still open at this time. I mean, built in 1995, it closed in 2015. Uh, but say for a good five to seven years, it hosted, you know, IndyCar Series events. It hosted NASCAR Camping World Truck Series events, or actually NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series events at that time. Um, and then there was some issues. A lot of the issues that they had was, you know, first of all, the Walt Disney World Speedway was built out of the Magic Kingdom parking lot, which... It's absolutely mind-boggling to think that they actually did this back in the day. Uh, With how busy the Magic Kingdom is now, I mean, they're building overpasses and flyovers. And I'm surprised they haven't built a parking garage there yet, you know, for the amount of cars that go. I know, right? And that was actually one of the big problems, Justin, was, you know, when they would turn that area of the parking lot into the track, they would build in, they would bring in temporary grandstands. Um, They would actually, the first year, they actually made Magic Kingdom visitors park in Epcot and then they were monorailing and busting them over to the speedway during the, yeah, to uh to the Magic Kingdom for uh <laughs> if you were a park goer. So the track did cause a lot of issues um for uh for Walt Disney World as well as as somebody who lives in day or lived in Daytona. I live just north of Ormond Beach now, but uh Florida's a very flat place, okay? And not a lot of mountains or trees to stop sound. And I know in Daytona, where I used to live, I could hear cars at the racetrack probably five or six miles away. The sound would carry. And when you're sitting in Fantasyland and you hear indie cars flying around a track, that sound travels across the water and across uh, the Seven Seas Lagoon. So that was also an issue for the Speedway as well, that it was kind of destroying um, that uh, that magical feel that you're supposed to be transported to a you know uh, you know away from everyday life, right? And you're hearing Honda and Chevrolet or Oldsmobile IndyCar engines flying around the speedway about a mile or two away. That really didn't help. So it had some issues, but it was a really cool layout. It was like a three turn layout. Um, it had some great racing. Uh, I thought it was great racing. I would have loved to have gone there because, look, when it opened, I was 15. I wasn't living in Florida at the time. I wasn't able to go to races on my own. You know, now if it was open, I'd be at every race there. I mean, I'd every, be at every test there. Um, but I would just love to have seen, uh, actually seen a race there in person. I never got to do that. But I have watched a bunch of them on YouTube. Uh, it's just really cool to see Walt Disney World hosting you know, IndyCar and NASCAR races. I mean, and and to me, Justin, that was the time in Disney's, you know, history where they were hosting everything, dude. They were hosting, mm-hmm. you know, ESPN Wild World Sports was opening up. They had roller hockey going on at the studios at one time. They've got, you know, uh, IndyCar and NASCAR racing. They're hosting, you know, uh, cheerleading competitions. Like everything was coming through Walt Disney World at the time, and auto racing was no different. The last thing I want to say is, is you know, in here in Central Florida, especially for NASCAR, we're known for. Daytona Speed Weeks, and that's the start of the auto racing season for NASCAR. If you want to combine IMSA into it as well, we have the 24 hours of Daytona Rolex race, so it's kind of like the start of the auto season. Well, the NASCAR trucks would start in Disney World before Daytona even started, so you had these guys running in in Orlando for you know for a weekend or two, and then boom, you're down in Daytona. So it was a to be a racing fan of Florida, Central Florida between Disney World and Daytona, it was an amazing time to be an auto racing fan there. But I miss it. Um, I did get to experience my dad doing a Richard Petty driving experience there. And I did get to run the Walt Disney World Marathon through the racetrack. At one time, the course 
did go through the racetrack. And so that was really cool to run through the tunnel and run around the speedway and run out. So at least I got to be inside the speedway and actually see my dad in a race car in the speedway. So those are memories I kind of hold on to. But uh, as a racing fan and a racing geek, um, the fact that Walt Disney World had a speedway, still, it's not Daytona, it's not Indianapolis. It's just still really, really cool, man. Like I'm, I, anytime I can find any kind of merchandise with it on it, I try to buy it with Walt Disney World Speedway on it. Can I tell you, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit shocked that Disney has not um, taken advantage of the fact that they could they could they could take some of the land at Wild World of Sports, and they could create a virtual driving experience. Um, do a legit like you get in a car, like the wind's blowing on you, like you know you feel the car rumbling as you're driving, you know through. Like they could they could bring in some of this old stuff because let's be honest, there is not a draw. I've never once been to Wild World of Sports. Never been there. I know Marathon I know right now run Disney. They, actually I don't think they're doing that. I think they're doing virtual shops I saw uh for the for the run Disney events right now. I don't think they're actually doing in person shops. Am I correct on that? They have a virtual queue. So I don't know if it's a line to get into the shops or what I haven't they're trying something new. I haven't seen a ton of complaints yet, but okay. I need to do a little bit more uh, in, uh research on that. Well, my point, my point is they could make that a destination. So they could make all these virtual things that you could do. You were saying they used to host everything, right? Come over there. Have a football experience. Have a soccer experience. Have a baseball experience. Have a, a Richard Petty driving experience. Have, like, have all this stuff that you can pay one lump sum, $60 for the day, $50 for the day, and you get a pass to be able to do each one of these experiences one time. I would go do that in an afternoon. Especially a rainy afternoon, that would—that's something that would bring me over to Wild World of Sports. Absolutely, especially with nothing really going on there now. I know for spring training, the Braves used to be at Wild World of Sports, and they've kind of built their own facility outside of Walt Disney World now. So that's not even going on uh, during the springtime. But and especially with ESPN, right? I mean, that's that's their their network, right? And the rumor is that they're supposed to be trying to get back into the NASCAR game at least uh, within the next television contract within the next year or two. That's the rumor going around that they might be a player in that. So if that's the case, it's like you want to promote some of the you know, programming that's on your top tier sports network, right? So, I mean, I could see that. I mean, uh, something that would be different, interesting to do. Uh, maybe you wouldn't want to have, I mean, I know there, look, there was a accident that happened at the Speedway and it was kind of like the final, you know, mm -hmm. straw yeah. that broke the camel's yeah. back, you know, but so if you don't want to do an actual physical track, there are other things that you can do, um, simulations, iRacing, um, to bring you over there. So there are other options, um, but you know, I mean, maybe that's something that just, they don't want to invest the money in or there's not, maybe not the interest there, but um you never know i mean i would love to see that that would bring me over there but maybe down the line uh maybe if they're listening but i definitely also, miss this i definitely miss the speedway brother uh, as a diehard racing fan everybody knows that here i love resorts and racing the r's um it would just be really cool to experience an event back there but but just stop to think about it you know in the racing industry there are places that do have street courses right they you know mm -hmm. there are street the streets of st petersburg long beach california miami it's not yeah miami right also uh las vegas is going to host formula one yep. uh, next year that'll be uh, fun NASCAR, that's that, yeah, that's something i would go to oh my god the ticket price for that nascar is gonna be in chicago next year on street course yeah but think about how they took the magic kingdom parking lot not even the epcot parking lot the magic kingdom parking lot and turned it into a Street gonna, course. Yeah, no, I'll say, I was going to say not a world-class facility because that, that'd be Daytona, Indianapolis, but like a really nice premier racing facility back in the mid-90s. Like that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, 
Also, if Disney, if you're listening, can we please, if you're going to do this at Wild Water Sports, can you please put a fantastic sports bar on property for us guests that are there a lot and maybe you want to take a break on a Saturday to go watch football and sit down and have a – There's Joe, there's just not great options at Walt Disney World. Do you know what would be a great place to uh, – do you want to be a great themed uh, bar restaurant for Walt Disney World? Did you ever go to uh, Legacy Stadium in Vegas? No, I've never been there. It's like it's 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 called Legacy. I think it's at the Palazzo. Is it Emerald Legacy? It's Emerald Legacy's place, but it, it's like a bar restaurant, but it's like a stadium with giant screens, and Love there's like it. different tiers of like seating. If you had something like that, it would be absolutely amazing. Like Dude, to go, go and watch it. Like, yeah, put pictures up of of the of the like ESPN history. You own ESPN. You know what I mean? Make it a, make it based on the history of ESPN and all the great moments throughout ESPN, like. It would be you fantastic. Could, you could make Disney Springs, where the old NBA experience was, the premier sports park in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, you certainly could. Absolutely. I mean, that would be a place where, like, the not to be stereotypical, but the wives can go off and shop, and then the guys go to the sports bar and watch the game, whatever. You know, that's, I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. So just an idea there for you, Disney. But I agree with you. There's a lot of potential in a lot of places. We're throwing that, them out there tonight, aren't we? Know, hey, man, while we're at it, hey, why don't we go ahead and why don't you do a Haunted Mansion uh, dining experience. Come on. I, we're overlooking the ballroom. All right. There we go. I got it all out now. Now that I've done my Imagineering for uh, for the week, I'm, I'm ready to roll. Uh, Joe, we have one more left. Um, I knew that one will be close to your heart, but this one's close to your heart and my heart, too. This is somewhere on our list of five that we definitely, I think both of us, not only do we want to go back and experience it, we would love to go back and experience this together. Uh, we would have an absolute blast, brother, uh, going back and experiencing the amazing Pleasure Island, Mr. Merriweather Pleasure, uh, the story of him, uh, you know, opening Pleasure Island over here. I have tons of memories at Pleasure Island that I still to this day love. Um, I miss it uh, wholeheartedly. Don't get me wrong. I love what they have done with Disney Springs because I think that is a premier destination. I think it is a somewhere that if you're on a Disney vacation, you need to make time to go to Disney Springs now where I did not say that in the past. Um, with downtown Disney. Um, but look, when we're looking Pleasure Island, it was somewhere for the adults. And that's not typically what we get anymore. Uh, a lot of people find themselves down the road going to other places, you know, for the for adult entertainment down there. Uh, but Pleasure Island opened May 1st of 1989 at downtown Disney there. Uh, and it closed September 27th of 2008. Joe, when we talk Pleasure Island, buddy, give me some memories and why is this on our list? Yeah, so again, I always talk about the golden age of Disney World for me is 89 to like the you know, mid-90s. And this is, you know, in that heart, I remember I remember my older cousins always talking about going to Church Street Station because they were older. You know, I was the youngest of all of the cousins and my brother and all that stuff. And that's what this was, you know, to be in competition with was to keep people, quote unquote, on property and away from, you know, downtown Orlando and to going out to those kind of, of clubs down there and stuff. And I just remember... I remember some of the packages that we were we were there, like because kids could go there tour until a certain time, and then like the right. clubs turn into eighteen and over and twenty one over and that kind of stuff. So I remember like I had a mission because of the type of packages that we were on, the resorts we were staying at. We were on the Grand Planet one time at the Grand Floridian that we got to go to Pleasure Island. So I remember walking around the gift shops. There was a uh, superstar television experience, which was very similar to the one that took place um, 
at uh, MGM Studios at the time, and I remember doing some of like those, you know, the blue screen or green screen videos with my, you know, you. I remember I did the Beatles <laughs> Twist and Strout, which yeah, man, man, like one of these time next time I have to come up to uh, Charleston, man, I'm going to bring some of these videos up and we'll we'll have some cocktails and we used enjoy to do those in Myrtle Beach. Whenever yeah, we man. visit Myrtle Beach back in the day, we would those, do the the old green screen, uh, you know, where we'd be sitting, one of us would be sitting at a, at the drums and the other one's the lead singer and the other one has the, you know. I love yeah, that so stuff. I, picture this, man. I'm playing uh, Twist and Shout to the Beatles. I am probably 12 years old. I've got like a mullet, uh, and I'm playing the it. drums. Yeah, so little Joey Q uh, back there playing the drums for the Beatles. But uh, yeah, man, great times. I remember going to dinner there. Um, you know, the riverboat was part of Pleasure Island. Uh, Paradise at 37 was part of it, which is actually still there at the time. Still Raglan there, Road, man. you know, towards the later days of Pleasure Island was there. Um, I didn't get to experience a lot of the clubs. Okay, so that I don't remember. Um, I don't remember ever going to the Adventurers Club uh, or like Neon Armadillo or um, the other one, um, Videopolis, which was based off of the uh, the success in, that Disneyland had. I don't really remember doing those, but I just remember Pleasure Island and the fireworks and the New Year's Eve and just that it was cool to be in there and like, hey, we're in Pleasure Island. It was just it was a really cool experience. I wish it was around longer in what it was so I could experience it as an adult. But um I still got the t-shirts, still got the hats. I think it was just the golden age. There's a lot of people, if you walk around with an old school Pleasure Island hat on, you will get a lot of looks and people say, I remember that. Um, Disney Springs is great right now. Sometimes I wish there was certain parts of Disney Springs where there was maybe a walled off spot where so it would be not as crowded, you know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. Where they had maybe something a little bit special, but um, for what Pleasure Island was at the end, Justin, it kind of turned into a really big shell of itself. Disney Springs is absolutely amazing for, I mean, there was a, Disney did a 180 with that. So they did a great job with resurrecting Pleasure Island from what it became to what it is now. So, but yeah, lots of good times. What were some of your, I mean, I, you got to experience more of the clubs than I did. Um, so what were some of your most fond Pleasure Island experiences? Yeah. So I, Pleasure Island for me really started like 2000, like two, all the way up to like 2008, like right, right when it was kind of falling apart and, you know, starting to be that, okay, it's coming towards the end. Like <laughs> you could see the writing on the wall. This isn't going to be here very long uh, because I was in college, man, at that time. And I would go to Walt Disney World and I was, um, I was dating a girl in college and I remember I took her on her first ever Disney trip and we flew down and we spent multiple nights at uh, um, at Pleasure Island, just having an absolute blast. I remember one of my favorite places was the Comedy Warehouse, and it was uh, an improv comedy. Um, it was like four people on stage, and you would yell out ideas, and they would act it out. You know, they'd be like, "All right, give us a place." You know, uh, give us uh, you know a, a time in history, or give us you know, and you would act it out, and, or they would act it out, and it was absolutely hilarious. What was the show? Whose line is it anyways? Right? Mm-hmm. It was like that. Really, really good. So we go to Comedy Warehouse. Um, I did go to the Adventures Club a couple times. Really great. The fun part was, I remember up until like 2005, they did fireworks at Pleasure Island. Yeah, man. It was the, uh, the New, it was New Year's Eve every New night. New Year's Eve every night that, that you were there. And which I think is that's, that, absolutely I think that's amazing. so cool. And it, I feel like Disney's kind of gotten away from the really late nights. Like, there'll they be have. sometimes, yeah, I'll, there'll be sometimes where I'll find some really old 
Disney footage on YouTube and like you'll hear like the audio recording of the monitor on the background. They're like, oh, the you know, Magic Kingdom's open until one o'clock in the morning and Epcot's open until midnight and Pleasure Island's open until two o'clock. Like, I feel like they don't do that anymore. I feel like Disney shuts down about 10 <laughs> is where it shuts down about. So we really don't get those really late nights anymore. But I think it would be awesome if they, you know, I, mean, I just imagine like staying at Saratoga Springs now. I mean, if, if we had what it was then and seeing fireworks every night, like throw a barge in the middle of that lake and just light off some fireworks, that'd be absolutely amazing. Talk about getting people down to uh, Disney Springs. That would pack them in just a small little mini fireworks show at midnight. That'd be really cool. Well, not only that, man, like you, you've nailed it. Disney has gone and look, Disney's a family, you know, a family place. Like it's not it's not meant to have. I mean, I say this as Epcot. Uh, is getting you know out of food and w- <laughs> food and wine, uh, and you know it's the people just getting smashed, and everybody wears t-shirts, and, you know about uh, drinking around the world. And look, I enjoy a beverage every now and then at Epcot as well. But you are right for someone who does a lot of adult trips, and you know you and Jen go down where it's just you two. Sometimes, especially Katie and I, you know we're night owls. Like she works nights, I'm up late a lot. We would rather go out late at night. And there's been times we've been like, man, like we took a nap in the middle of the day and maybe we will be at Magic Kingdom. It closes at nine, but we're not ready to call it a night. We want to go do something. And there's not a lot to do at Walt Disney World outside of 10 o'clock. There's just not. Anymore. It used to it used to be. It used to be not when Pleasure anymore. Island was around because like you said, it was open till 2 a.m. I mean, you could go and have a great, great time. And I think maybe Disney's missing that aspect of it, but I don't think they care. I, you know, I think they know what they are and they enjoy what they are. Um, and also for staffing purposes, they're able to, to, to really, you know, dial it back a little bit. But with, uh, with Pleasure Island, 2 a.m., man, you could go. You had the Pleasure Island Jazz Company, you had the Rock and Roll Beach Club. Um, Wild Horse Saloon, you had Motion, which is a dance club. That yep. was all like top 40 music videos. You had Mannequin's Dance Palace, uh, which was techno. Um, of course, you had the Comedy Warehouse. You had Celebrate Tonight. It was an outdoor dance party. Like, this is right up Dave's alley. Like, this, Dave would have a job for life if Pleasure Island was still around. And I'm bummed that he never got to experience it because he came into uh, Walt Disney World at a little bit later. And I don't think he ever got to experience Pleasure Island for what it is. Um, but yeah, you had the neon neon armadillo from eighty nine to ninety eight, which was live country music. Um, the BET soundstage, of course, which was hip hop. And then we talked about the Adventures Club, and we talked about eight tracks with the uh, seventies and eighties. Dude, they had something for everyone. And, and think about this too, right? In uh, in refreshing my memory, you know, doing a little bit of research tonight. Think about some of the acts that actually performed at Pleasure Island. Like right now in Disney Springs, we have House of Blues, and I've seen uh, some concert at House of Blues. Great venue. If you're ever in the Orlando or Disney World area and look up House of Blues, see what concerts are there. A really yeah. great venue to, to see a show. Um, but some of the people that performed at um, at Pleasure Island, New Kids on the Block in 1989, Marky Mark and the Funky Munch. You may laugh at this, right? But these were huge names back in the day. Blind Massive. Melon, Johnny Cash, Boy George, Sync. They actually filmed uh, a demo there. Uh, Savage Garden, Christina Aguilera, Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, Duran Duran, Styx, B-52s. Like These were all groups and artists that performed at pleasure island i mean think about that i mean that doesn't happen today but back in the I mean, disney world was the place to be back in the 90s i mean and pleasure island for you know for that music kind of you know uh the music industry i mean obviously was those are some huge names that performed there yeah and we're talking about you know we do talk about the restaurants um that they survived somehow which i'm really glad they did because 
Raglan Road is one of my top restaurants at Walt Disney World. It's the main reason I go to Disney Springs quite a bit. Uh, Raglan Road uh, survived, and you said Paradiso 37 uh, survived, which is still there. I've only eaten there like twice, though. Um, I have one of my favorite Disney pictures ever at Paradiso 37, and it's of Riley eating the ice cream trio. And she was maybe 16 months old. And just her, I don't think any of it made in her mouth, dude. Her entire face is just like <laughs> chocolate and vanilla ice cream just everywhere. Uh, and the Portobello is uh, is still there. Which Have you eaten there, the Italian restaurant that sits right on the corner, right outside? Uh, yeah, it's of, not bad. Um, it's not bad. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's fine. fine. It's serviceable. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about food for, you know, Italian food for Run Disney. It's not my favorite for sure. I don't go there often, but I have eaten there. Um, a few different times. So it survived, but they had a lot of other places too. I mean, we talk about, uh, well, Fulton's Crab House, of course, which is gone, but it's now Paddlefish. So I, I, dude, I pretty much say that's the same restaurant. Yeah. With a paint job. Yeah, exactly. They paint it. Yeah. And I always say this too, like Pleasure Island lives on, even though, you know, the, the, the name isn't there. Whenever you walk across those bridges, you're walking onto an Island. That's Pleasure Island. So it's still there. It lives on to this day, just with a different, with different paint job. Different, uh, you know, Springs Bottling Company used to say Pleasure Island. So the buildings are still there. It's just, uh, it lives on in a different way. Can we talk for a second? Because sure. the one thing that I think they're missing at Springs is, and look, DDP Today official hangout spot, Stargazers, kind of fills the void. Absolutely. Love it. Because it's, that is that is where it's at. For, if you've never been to Stargazers, it's the official DDP spot in Disney Springs. Um, located right there underneath Planet Hollywood. No one ever goes, and it has the best drink specials on Walt Disney World property. Uh, Joe, you and I find ourselves there quite a bit when we're together on property. Yes, and uh, they have the, some of the friendliest staff there, I mean, because it's never really that busy, so whenever you're there, they will give you the best service possible. It's a great little spot to hang out in, and they usually have some sort of live entertainment there as well, so it's a great intimate spot to hang out with and uh, have a good time. And uh, you'll see us posting if we're ever there during daytime hours, even when they're not open. We'll usually flash a, a, a selfie of us in front of Stargazers giving it its props. So we love it. Yeah, Joe and I'll be in the parks together here coming up for Marathon Weekend. So uh, I'm sure we'll find ourselves at Stargazers at some point, man. Uh, yep. Over that over those couple of days, uh, I'll drink for you since you're running. How about that? Um, that <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I wish that Disney Springs would bring back some of those. You know, just just a couple spots. Really, just for the adults, like make it make it to where hey, we're gonna close Springs at midnight, but these couple two or three spots are gonna be open till two, yeah, like, and like that a, way, like if a, you're like on property, you can enjoy it. Even like a like a ten to twelve or t- ten to one, it's fine. like a little late night thing. And look for our like diehard fans out there, we know like sometimes when you have things that stay open later, there are some things that come along with it, and there's a liability to a certain extent. But you know, most people are staying on property and with Lyft and Uber these days and, and the bus system, I mean, everybody can get home safely and it'd just be nice for a place to go to just to kind of like, doesn't have to be a, a crazy, um, you know, nightclub, but just like a late night chill place to go and have some drinks and look at we're looking to spend money guys. You know, <laughs> it's like, keep the yeah. place open, you know, but, uh, you know, hopefully things as, uh, as the world progresses, uh, Walt Disney world progresses and changes, maybe, uh, those things will change, you know, along the line. Maybe we'll have something stay open a little bit later for us. Cause I think Jock Lindsay's was intended to do that, but I don't think it fills that void. Mm-mm, no, it's a cool spot. I mean, there's some great spots in Disney Springs, you know, Boathouse Bar, Jock Lindsay's. I mean, those are great. Even right. Wine Bar George, you know, regular Wine Bar George sitting Outdoor, on, the, on the balcony. Yeah. But uh, it's not it's not 100% the same. But No, 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 some, not at all. Sometimes and, you got to make your own fun. Also, like, look at some of these restaurants, man. And this is what I, I love. And I know it's kind of gimmicky. And, you know, a lot of people probably are like, eh, you know, we'll take what we have. 
But, dude, when you look at, like, the Fireworks Factory, which was uh, a pyrotechnics-themed restaurant, and, uh, you know, it, they had, it was a, um, a fireworks factory until the building exploded because of Meriwether Pleasure uh, smoking his cigars, um, you know, there. And it was decorated with all kinds of pyrotechnic props and all that. And, dude, it's, 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 that was fun. And then you had a Meriwether's Market. Um, you, of course, had the Empress Lily. Um, which was the paddle steamer boat uh, based on Walt Disney's wife Lillian, which I love. And then it became Fulton's Crab House, which then became Paddlefish. Uh, so it has made its <laughs> made its rounds around there. Uh, but dude, like the theming at at Planet Hol- or Pl- uh, Planet Hollywood, well, uh, <laughs> at um, <laughs> Pleasure Island was fantastic. Uh, I saw Planet Hollywood here on my list because it is one of the places that's still there. It got moved, but it's still there. Um, but yeah, man, I, I tell you what, it's just, it's fantastic. Like, I, I wish we had Pleasure Island. I wish you and I could have one night to go out and just have a blast bar hopping, dancing the night away, maybe not together, but you know, at Pleasure Island. Yeah, it would be fun, especially with, uh, you know, with the myself, you, Dave, Mike, you know, Dan, we'd have, we'd have a blast just all the boys out together. It would be, you know, it'd be great too, is we were out of Pleasure Island taking some photos, having a good time and, uh, you know, kind of posting that to our DDP uh, family on Facebook and uh, kind of sharing like, Hey guys, we're a pleasure. I'm having a good time. Wish you guys were here, uh, you know, sharing with those memories and stuff like that. And, uh, kind of reminiscing about that time with pleasure Island. That's what brings us to this week's picks of the week. Picks of the week. Picks of the week. It's time for us to get our picks of the week. All right, Justin. So for our first pick of the week, uh, who do you got? I'm going to take uh, Jenny Evers Roney. Great picture. Uh, <laughs> has the kids, and she says, they still fit. Do you know where they are today? Uh, update, if you haven't experienced this one in some time, definitely check it out. Mia Moore. I love it as well, Jenny. And uh, they are at amazing Mickey's Philhar Magic. Uh, it is one of my absolute favorite things to do. It is so much fun. For those people who have not enjoyed that in Fantasyland, go check it out. Uh, the kids are in. When you walk in, there's a, there's a ramp. You walk down to kind of the waiting area, and the the railing kind of makes a loop and makes a little circle, and <laughs> she's got all the kids kind of stuffed in there inside that circle. So I love it. That's a good it's a good idea, Jenny. Drop them off there. You come get them later, right? They'll be fine. So absolutely love it. I hope you guys had an amazing vacation. Uh, thanks for posting because it's one of our favorite things to see in those photos every single week. Uh, Joe, how about you, man? So I got a very good friend of the show and very good friend of mine, uh, Cheryl Pavia. She is down at Walt Disney World for Wine and Dine uh, Half Marathon Weekend, and she's running the two-course challenge now. First of all, she's staying at my favorite resort, Disney Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa. But secondly, so she's over at ESPN Wild World Sports. She's getting the pictures. She's got the merchandise. She's ready to go, but she has no luggage. So, Cheryl, the weekend is going to be passed by the time you hear this. I hope your luggage shows up. The good thing is, is that I see in her photos that she's posting in her room and around the resort, I see running shoes on the ground. So I think she has a running shoe. So you can replace everything else. You can get a new watch. You can get, you know, new shorts and new shirt. You got the shoes. That's the most important thing. So Cheryl's got a smile on her face. She's having a good time. Uh, She has no luggage, but she's making the best of it. So for that and for her great attitude, good luck, Cheryl. You get my pick of the week. I love Cheryl. Th- look, this is not I, Cheryl and I are real close. This is not a negative. Cheryl, it's time to go shopping. You know what's up. Uh, go. It's time for all that Disney new merch. Um, I saw somebody today. Uh, not today. It was the other day. They put it at um, one of the Air Tags, Apple Air Tags, in mm-hmm. their luggage whenever they send it. 
And not that it, <laughs> I guess not that it helps. It's not there. But at least you could see where it's at, I guess. You know what I mean? You would know if it like made it to the States or made it wherever you're wherever you're at. Oh, so, she's coming uh, a long way, man. But that's a good thing. Like as a runner, right? You'd never want to not have your shoes. You can replace everything else. So, and that's a, a tip for everybody. If you're coming down for these run Disney weekends and you're flying down, keep your shoes with you <laughs> in, a, in a carry-on. Because if they do get lost, you can replace everything else. But the shoes is something you never want to have to run the first time on. That's for sure. Especially for a race. Yeah. That would be tough, man. That would be really tough. Well, uh, DDP family, we love that you join us. We hope that you had some experience in these places. If you did, we want to hear from you. We want you to come on the Facebook group and chat a little bit with us about your experience at all these amazing places. River Country, Streets of America, Wonders of Life, Pavilion, the Disney World Speedway, and, of course, Pleasure Island. We want to hear your stories. We want to see your pictures of you uh, enjoying these places. Uh, you can join that Facebook group by clicking the link below. It is the most positive place on the Internet. Nothing but Disney positivity. We don't do the nonsense that you see at a lot of other sites, which makes it fun. Um, also, look, if you want to become a part of the Patreon, uh, it helps us not only take care of the cost of the show, but helps us also grow the show as well. And we appreciate you for that. There's tons of tiers over there that you can join. Certain tiers include merchandise, and certain tiers actually include video, where you can see mine and Joe's smiling faces here as we chat about <laughs> the five places we wish we'd go back and experience in Walt Disney World history. Um, and then also, look, right there, right below the description of this is a link to Give Kids the World to our charity. 100% of that money goes to Give Kids the World, goes to these families that are coming to Walt Disney World that have uh, critically ill children, that they will be able to come enjoy a week and not have to worry about the stresses that they have been going through at home and make those memories that will last a lifetime. It's something that we preach on the show each and every week is to go out and create those memories, to create joy. And the fact that you guys have been able to do that by creating this show uh, and creating this family around this show, you guys have done an amazing job, and we appreciate you allowing us to be a part of it. And you've also come up, stepped up, and already raised almost $7,000 to uh, send families to Disney, but we're not there yet. We're getting to 10,000 over the next two weeks, three weeks. There's going to be some posts coming out um, to where we're going to be doing some, uh, some stuff to where if you give, uh, your name will be thrown into a hat. Also, if you give, um, the show will be matching donations and Away With Me Travel will be matching donations. So we will uh, we will absolutely going to get there. We're going to hit that $10,000 goal. Go click that link right now. Go donate. Go right now. Share that link with all your friends, all your family, all your coworkers, and let's send these kids to Disney. We appreciate you. We appreciate your positivity. We appreciate your love. Patron family, stick around. Uh, Joe? I'm excited, man. Patron coming up. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about just Disney in general, a bunch of different topics. Going to get into it. Uh, I miss the guys tonight, but dude, I had a blast with you because, like I said, really, uh, you know, this is in our wheelhouse. This is something you and I love is looking back over the years where we were kind of teenagers and kids going to Walt Disney World, experiencing these things. And I think these five things, if we could do them one more time, it would be a fantastic day uh, to experience those together and as a family, man. I wish we could do it. Yeah, we were definitely lucky to uh, to grow up going to the parks as, you know, kids and as teenagers and to get to experience a lot of these things that, you know, even some of our brothers on the show here that you know, they didn't get to do at the time because either they weren't living in this country or they they weren't, you know, growing up as Disney families, you know, you know where their parents took them to Disney World. So um, we're lucky we got to do that and share with all of our DDP family here uh, some of our experiences that we had. And we were look, really lucky to enjoy those things. So glad I got to share it with you guys. Uh, and again, just want to say congratulations to everybody who ran Wine and Dine uh, this weekend because the show will be out after you guys run. Great job to our Sorcerer running team and all of our DDP family. And again, to everybody who's donated to uh, for the Give Kids the World for the Marathon Weekend. Absolutely amazing how, you know, Justin says this every time we have a show, right? But taking a step back, it's just really absolutely amazing how a group of just like-minded Disney fans who we get along, we share the same interests, 
come together through a common bond through this show and to raise money to give some child those memories that Justin and I are able to share with you guys here that we're giving a family a chance that maybe wouldn't be able to do that, that opportunity. It's just absolutely amazing. Really cool. I really can't wait to see, you know, when we're done raising the money, like how much these families really enjoy. It's just a really cool uh, thing that we're doing for them. So thank you to all you guys who have donated. It's just really awesome. And like you said, Justin, Patreon should be fun. So stand by guys. You are on deck. DDP family have an amazing week. Spread some cheer. Make somebody smile. Go out and smile yourself. You're awesome. We love you. And until next time, we will see you real soon. Have a good one, everybody. See you guys. On behalf of the Disney dads, we want to say thank you. We hope you find a little magic in your life every day. Spread some Disney love and keep moving forward. And they all lived happily ever after. Each of us has a dream. A heart's desire, it calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the wonder... And that is a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.